You're listening to a message from Christ's Covenant Church, where we are growing together in Christ as a caring community of disciple-makers. Thank you for listening, and please feel free to share this with others who may find it helpful. I am delighted. I'm thrilled to be here today. It's a significant day in the life of this church, and I particularly appreciate your pastors uh, because there had been an earlier date announced and they invited me out, and I wanted to be here so bad. But that same weekend, our granddaughter, Agatha, she goes by Aggie, was having a party to celebrate um, the conclusion of two and a half years of chemo and steroid treatment for cancer. And so I very much wanted to be at that event, and I very much wanted to be here. I don't recall ever wanting to be cloned before, uh, but I very much wanted to be both places and couldn't, and asked for your team to understand, and they did. And delayed the date, so I'm grateful to them and and to you for your patient understanding of something that was very important to our family. I also, in beginning, want to express my full and enthusiastic support of the installation of Mark Goodwin as your lead pastor. I am thrilled and delighted. Was out a few weeks back, helping a couple of months, helping walk through this process, and it was a joy. Uh, to be with your team and to begin to feel and experience Mark's leadership, uh, it was it was just a delight, and I was I was able to leave confident this plan was a good plan, and I was able to communicate back to Mickey Connolly, who's the director of church care, and Mark Prater, who's executive director, my enthusiastic support of this move. So I'm fully on board. Today is an historic day in the history of this church, formally installing Pastor Mark as your senior pastor or lead pastor. Key question is, what's it mean to you? I think if you're like me, many of you are, you think of yourself first instinctively. What's it mean to me? Well, Mark is not becoming the CEO, not becoming a president. He is uh, on a team of men that function in a plurality. And he will lead that team, but he is first among equals. What we are doing today is acknowledging that Mark is being acknowledged by the elders and by you, because your input and counsel was sought. Being acknowledged as the primary leader of this church, old Harry Truman, president, had a sign on his desk that said, the buck stops here. And that's largely what it means Uh, for Pastor Mark. He is ultimately the one, humanly speaking, responsible for this church. So in this portion of the service, I'll be speaking primarily to Mark and be giving a charge to him, and you get to listen in on his job description because it's very good for you to be informed. This text very naturally comes from one of the pastoral epistles. You probably know 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus were written by Paul to give pastoral counsel to these leaders and perhaps in difficult situations. And so let's read 2 Timothy 3.16 down through chapter 4, verse 5. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Mark, Pastor Larry, and Pastor Nate filled these shoes before you. They were faithful men in their charge. Now you have the responsibility and privilege to shepherd this flock, these 
these dear people for the glory of God. So I'll exhort you, Mark, to seven commands from the text. This is the heart of God for his bride, the church. Mark, I charge you first to know the word, verses 16 and 17. It's doubtful that anyone can know the word too well. The word of God, Mark, man of God, is your main tool for the task. You will need this tool particularly to form points two and three, which is preach and teach. But before giving the word to others, you need the word of God yourself. There will likely be very good seasons and good moments ahead. And there will likely be difficult moments ahead and difficult seasons. You need the word of God like Joshua needed the word of God. Joshua chapter one, Moses gives this charge to Joshua only Be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous then you will have good success. You need the word of God personally, and you must not neglect this book. You must be a man of the word and of prayer as you seek to be faithful. When Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount, he put it this way, Matthew 7, 24 and following, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. We must, we must hear and we must do. Who built his house on the rock? Rain fell, floods came, winds blew, beat on the house. It did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain fell, floods came, winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You need the word of God in your life because you can only pass on that which you have first Received This book, according to verse 17, equips you, Mark, to be complete and equipped for every good work. It is a reliable guide for the task at hand. Every leader has strengths, and that's a glorious thing. Because every leader has strengths, it means there are also weaknesses. There is the other side of the strength. Mark, it would be most natural for you today. I know you're cool, calm, and collected. But it would be natural for you to feel unequal to the task. That would be quite logical. The Apostle Paul said, who is sufficient for these things? The weight can be daunting. You need the book. You need to be in the Word. You have other weapons, thank God, the Holy Spirit, prayer, counselors, wisdom. But you need the Word of God. The Word of God equips you for what lies ahead. Secondly, you must preach the Word. According to the Reformers, preaching and the sacraments, water baptism and the Lord's Supper and church discipline for purity are the marks of a genuine and faithful church. To preach the word powerfully and accurately, you must preach Christ. Old J.C. Ryle said the grand summary object of all scripture is to testify of Jesus. Old Testament ceremonies are shadows of Christ. Old Testament judges and deliverers are types of Christ. Old Testament history shows the world's need of Christ. Old Testament prophecies are full of Christ's sufferings and of Christ's glory yet to come. The first advent and the second, the Lord's humiliation and the Lord's kingdom, the cross and the crown, shine forth everywhere in the Bible. Keep fast hold on this clue. If you would read the Bible aright and if you would preach the Bible aright. So Mark, every Sunday you must show them Jesus. We are about Loving Jesus, following Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior. And you must show them Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is your primary task, along with the team of men, to prepare these folks for eternity. Because one day we will stand before God to give an account of our life. And Christians do not fear that day because God only promises rewards. But we live this life, which is very important, in view of that day, and we prepare for that day. And you must help people keep in view 
the return of Jesus, and the eternity that is beyond one day for all of us. To preach the word powerfully means you will need to seek the sacred anointing of the Holy Spirit. Ask, seek, and knock. Keep asking, keep asking, keep seeking, because there is no substitute for the anointing of the Spirit. No amount of work, nothing else can substitute, not your natural gifts and abilities can substitute for the sacred anointing. In addition to preach effectively, I encourage you to know the sheep that are in your flock to the best of your ability. You can't know them all intimately. You labor through others, but seek to know their concerns and their burdens and their cares. You must care for the souls of the flock. You must bandage wounds by preaching the word. You must edify and equip and nourish as you preach. I encourage you to arrange your sermon content simply and clearly as you do, but I exhort you to preach to the 14-year-old, to connect with, with one who's not yet as mature because if you have the strength to bring clarity to them, it will be clear to others. And I encourage you to apply the word of God to lives. These good folks must not only hear the word, they must do the word for the glory of God. Third, you must teach the word. Also in verse 2, in the life of the church, there will regularly be a need to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience. Let me underscore complete patience. If I was the Apostle Paul writing this to you, I'd say, Mark, be patient with them. The Apostle Paul, inspired by God, says, Mark, complete patience. It, it takes it a step beyond patience. It isn't just be patient with them. It's complete and total patience. And I can promise you, there are times where perhaps I or perhaps others will be irritating to you, will be annoying. I can promise you there will be times like that. I at least will come through on my end. Be patient. Be completely patient with them all. Patience in the midst of adversity is a glorious grace. Patience when people are sinning against you, glorious grace. And those moments and those times will come, and it's not up to you to amp up and get back, get even. Your charge is complete patience. It's glorious when this is the way a pastor leads a flock. Sheep stray. Sheep need comforted. Sheep need encouragement. But when the time is right, you must not shy back from rebuking and correcting. There will be times people don't want to hear truth. And you, without arguing, uh, in complete patience, you must deal gently and graciously with these folks because you're preparing them for eternity. You're not preparing them to like you. It isn't about you in those moments. It's about truth, and it's about Jesus, and it's about what's best for their lives as they seek to love and follow Jesus. Love will risk conflict. Fourth, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. There isn't any such thing as an ordinary person in this room because we all have eternal souls. It's quite extraordinary, really, that life beyond this life. So because we're dealing with eternity, you must be earnest, and serious. To be sober-minded is to be well-balanced and self-controlled. Self-balanced and self-controlled. I think self-control is possibly the most underrated of all the fruit of the Spirit. It's essential in the Christian life. But it also means to be clear-headed about life today. It means you're able to laugh and rejoice, but you're able to grieve and weep. You're balanced. It isn't all one. It's not just a party because we're saved. And it's not just grieving and weeping because there are blessings. It's balanced in that you can connect with both people in both circumstances. So be clear-headed about life. Live with an eye toward the future. And I want to exhort you to watch the small, the small diversions in your life, the things that could suck life away from you. I encourage you to pay close attention to the small diversions in your life. Pay attention to your affections and your inner desires. Pay close attention to your life because it matters in the long run. Number five, endure suffering. Also verse five. Sometimes a challenge comes from outside the church. Sometimes a challenge comes from inside the church. Either way, the one who endures 
and who perseveres is the only one who can finish the race that's put before us. So you're called to endurance. You're called to perseverance. This is godliness, and this is Christ-likeness. Even when it's difficult, there is always grace for you. You do not minister in a time of peace. You minister in a time of a spiritual fight, a spiritual warfare. So there will be battles to be fought. And I remind you that if you look at the Bible, the very best of leaders, and let's say that's Jesus and Paul, they were rejected by some. Jesus was rejected by many. Uh, so the, the, the idea that people may be against you at some point is no criterion for evaluating what is true. The very best have been rejected. So, Mark, you must stand firm in the love of God. You must stand firm in the gospel of grace always. And when people come against you, you must listen, discern, and act. You must guard the unity of this church. John Kitchen, his commentary on the pastoral epistle, said one of Satan's craftiest ploys to keep the church from fulfilling its mission is to preoccupy with inward matters of disunity. We must be careful, church, to not fight with one another and contend with one another in a way that robs us of the mission we're called to accomplish. Sixth, Mark, do the work of an evangelist. When we think the word evangelist, I don't know what comes to mind. You might think going door to door and handing out tracts or some such thing. Uh, used to be more in vogue, perhaps, than it is today. Uh, it's in view that you would share the gospel with non-Christians. That's true. But evangelists also equip the saints for ministry, for the work of evangelism. So what Paul has in view here is gospel work. Gospel work is done inside the church and outside the church. We aim to make disciples. So, Mark, do not restrict your ministry just to the church. You must proclaim Jesus to everyone. Everywhere you are, your life must be about proclaiming Jesus Christ. And seventh, fulfill your ministry. Also, verse 5. It's easy to start out strong. There's energy. It's new. can even feel emotionally thrilling. Uh, it's easy to start out strong. We're young. We're fresh. It's much more challenging to finish well. That's much more difficult. Author Robert Clinton, in his book on leadership, estimates that in the Bible, only 25% of leaders finish well. It's always sobered me because it's only one in four, and that means the odds aren't with us. So, Mark, you must fulfill your ministry, which the Lord has given you, which means you must run the race through the tape. At the end, you must run through the finish line. Mark, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author, the founder, the perfecter of your faith. Abide in the word of God. Pay close attention to your life and your doctrine. Show Jesus Christ to everyone around you with your life and with your words, with your words and with your life. Show Christ constantly to everyone around you. And if you do that, your legacy at the end of your race, at the end of your ministry, will be he was faithful. He lived for the glory of God. He showed us Jesus. He taught us Jesus. And that will serve these folks very well. Mark, I have confidence in the grace of God in your life. And may Stephanie be the wind that fills your sails for the glory of God. This isn't an accident. You're not second rate or second best or third best or whatever you may be tempted to think of points. You're the man of God called to this task at this time to lead this church. I have confidence in the grace of God in you. And I'm confident this church will serve you and support you along the way. But Larry will come now. Pastor Larry will come and speak to us about their role. I'd like to say anything I can do to help, please let me know. Thank you so much, Ken. And I think your words to Mark spill over onto all of us as we see Christ's care for us his bride, his church. So thank you for serving us this morning, Ken. When I was in my teens and even into my 20s, I had an unusual hobby. And, and I admit I'm a little bit hesitant to tell you my hobby because my uh, geek image will go up, I'm sure. Um, I collected antique books. 
especially theological books that were old. One of my prizes in my antique book collection is a little book written in the 1820s by an English congregational pastor by the name of John Angel James. Uh, This wonderful book has an interesting title. It's called The Church Member's Guide. Uh, The gist of this book is the responsibilities of church members. Uh, Yeah, I photocopied the title page of my copy. It looks well-worn, but it, it is pushing 200 years old, so I guess I can't complain. But as I think about this book from almost 200 years ago, The Church Member's Guide, talking about the responsibilities of church members, I wonder how that book would sell in our evangelical culture today. Having been a pastor for a good while, I can tell you that uh, pastors get inundated with invitations to seminars and to read blog posts and to um, read articles on the role of a pastor in growing a church. And in doing that, a lot of these people writing on that subject approach it as if church members are, well, for lack of a better term, customers. And so if pastors are going to grow a church, you have to figure out what the shopper wants and then try to figure out how to deliver it. And if you do that, then your church is going to grow. If you uh, deliver this product that people are looking for so that the customer is satisfied and they'll come to your church. But when I think about that, um, I've been resisting that most of the time. I wonder what would happen if we have this paradigm of uh, a pastor just providing a product that people want. What if we took the Word of God and overlaid it on that? I wonder how that might change the paradigm. I wonder if looking through the Word of God at that issue, if we might begin to see that God's Word very clearly talks about the responsibilities of church members. And in particular, if we look at the second slide, uh, one of the chapters in this book, I realize that's really hard to see, uh, But one of the chapters in this book says, on the duties of church members to their pastors. And so John Angel James, almost 200 years ago, wrote this chapter on what are the responsibilities of us to Pastor Mark? Did you know the Bible does talk about that? Join me, please, in the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to look at just two verses, verses 12 and 13, of 1 Thessalonians 5. What are our responsibilities to Pastor Mark? The apostle writes to the believers at Thessalonica. He says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So what are ours? I'm including myself here as one who will follow Pastor Mark's lead. What is our responsibilities to Pastor Mark according to the Word of God? Paul writes here first that we are to recognize him as one of our pastors. Both the ESV and the NIV have here the word respect. Do you see it there at the beginning of verse 12, to respect? The word technically means more something like to know or to acknowledge or to recognize to acknowledge, to recognize those who labor among you. Now, I think especially on a day like today, where today is the official day where we're setting aside Pastor Mark as our new lead pastor, that it's good to hear this word from the Apostle Paul to recognize him, to acknowledge him as one of our pastors, and in particular, our lead pastor. You know, we have four pastors here at CCC currently, and Lord willing, we'll have more join us in the next year or two, but we have four pastors here. And I know, having been a pastor for a while, that there's a temptation in local churches to kind of gravitate to one pastor, you know, and maybe there's just natural affinity. Maybe there's just relationships there that are understandably strong. Maybe you're in the life group that that pastor leads, and you're close on a friendly basis, and you just feel like... He's my pastor. I just love Pastor Rod. I just love Pastor Tom. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But I think when we read 1 Thessalonians 5.12, it's good to remember that all of the pastors of our church are to be acknowledged, are to be recognized as your pastor. So even though there might be a, a 
close affinity to one pastor, please don't treat one pastor as if he's your only pastor. And if you haven't gotten to know Pastor Mark yet, let me encourage you to acknowledge him today, to recognize him today as not only one of your pastors, but from here on until the Lord changes things, hopefully decades from now, he's going to be our lead pastor. And to get to know him and to acknowledge him and to welcome him as your pastor that way. I think especially we, in our church, if you're new to our church, you maybe noticed this when you came in today, we got lots of kids here. Isn't that a blessing? For those of you that are currently rearing your children, for those of you that are parents of children right now, can I encourage you to train your children to acknowledge their pastors, to recognize them, and to teach them to speak well to Pastor Mark, to call him Pastor Mark or Pastor Goodwin? Can I encourage you to do that, parents? What else does the Word of God say here? Second, we are to esteem him. That would be treating him with respect, to esteem him as one of our pastors. Verse 13, esteem them very highly in love. Talks about them working hard. We'll return to that in a few minutes. Mark has actually been part of our team here for eight years. He's not new to us. When we asked him to be our lead pastor, he was not an unknown quantity to us. We'd, we'd worked alongside Mark and he us for the last eight years. And I can tell you, that Pastor Mark works hard. In fact, one of the things about Pastor Mark that I'll just say, I know I'm being recorded, but I'll go ahead and say, one thing that amazes me is how much he gets done without ever seeming frazzled. When I have a whole lot of my plate, ask Gladine, I tend to act frazzled. Like, how am I going to get all this done? I, I want to learn from you, brother. <laughs> but the fact that he's not frazzled or frenetic doesn't mean he's not working hard. He tends to work hard with a high level of trust in the Lord and a calmness in his soul. And so to esteem him for that. How, how do we do that? How do we esteem highly Pastor Mark? Well, let me just give a couple of simple things. One is, how do we talk to him to his face? When you're talking to Pastor Mark to his face, are you speaking with esteem, with respect? He's one of our Christ-given spiritual leaders. And, and maybe more sensitively, how do you talk about Pastor Mark behind his back? Do you speak about Pastor Mark with respect, with esteem, with gratitude? That the head of our church, Jesus Christ, has given him to us as a gift? I want to just say thank you for how you've treated me over the years. Um, and I think my fellow pastors would say similarly that our church has been blessed with people who are kind and loving. And uh, going to pastors' conferences, you hear pastors say sometime how hard it is because of the criticism they hear going around behind their backs. There's an old joke in pastor circles about, you know, asking people in the church, so what's for lunch today? And the people say, roasted pastor. You know, we're going to roast the pastor on the way home. Or we're going to roast the pastor over lunch, Sunday lunch. And you know what? Over the years, I think our church has been preserved from that attitude. And I want to thank you for that and to commend to you to stay on that trail of esteeming your pastors, and in particular, Pastor Mark, that you speak well of him behind us back to one another. And I mentioned children. Do our, our children, for those of us that are grandparents, our grandkids, growing up, hearing the adults in our church speak respectfully of the leader's Christ has given, and in particular of Pastor Mark. There's every reason to speak well and to make a point to do so. And I think a third way we can show esteem for Pastor Mark is just being concerned for his welfare. It's wonderful, I'm sure, if people come up to Pastor Mark or Pastor Mark and Stephanie and say, how you doing? Any particular ways we can be praying for you this week and then to pray? Or maybe you want to ask anything we could be doing for you. Uh, maybe you're going through a busy season. Could we come over and rake your leaves? Or you need someone to watch the kids so you two can have a date. But you're thinking of ways to serve. You know, How can we show esteem to Pastor Mark and, and to Stephanie by asking, how can we help? How can we pray? How can we encourage you? Or maybe you want to write notes of encouragement. As I mentioned uh, in, before the service began, we have these tables in the back in which you can write personal notes to, to Mark and to Stephanie and to do that. Um, a secret that, of mine that some of you have heard before, I'm sure, maybe it's not a secret, is that over the years I've kept what I call my Blue Monday file. <laughs> and if people write me in encouraging notes, I, I rarely throw away encouraging notes. 
I keep them in this particular file called my Blue Monday file. And if I'm going through a particularly difficult day, I can pull that file out and, and, and read those notes of encouragement that some of you have written. I still have them. And why don't you begin that with Pastor Mark when you appreciate something he's taught us on Sunday morning or some Christ-reflecting character in his life that you note God's grace in him, you note God's grace through him. Put that in writing and give it to him, or at least write him an email that he would know that God is using him in your life. One more responsibility we have to Pastor Mark. Do you see it in verse 13? I don't think it's disconnected. I think it's connected. Paul writes, be at peace among yourselves. I think it's connected with what precedes. Shepherding a church, leading a church is, is a joyful responsibility, but sometimes it's very stretching, sobering, and if people are bickering among themselves, it makes that responsibility to lead even more difficult, more challenging. I'm thankful for the peace the Lord's given us here in this church over the years. And I want to encourage us to continue down that path of living peaceably with one another, that we treat one another with the grace that Christ has shown us. And if we as the body of Christ here at CCC live that way, that we acknowledge our ill-deserved grace that God's given us, that we live with that astonished humility that he's treated us the way he would treat Christ, that that gratitude spills over in how we treat one another, that we show the grace we've been shown. And that'll make Pastor Mark's leadership all the more sweet. Why do we do that? Why should we show Pastor Mark respect, esteem? Why should we acknowledge him? If we go back to verse 12, it says, those who labor among you, Hard work. Paul said it this way to the Colossian believers, Colossians chapter 1. This, this is worth looking at. Let me just read it to you, though. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Paul wrote and said, we proclaim him. That would be Jesus. We proclaim Jesus admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which powerfully works in me. And Pastor Mark is in his mid-30s, and I've told him this to his face. My prayer is that in the Lord's gracious providence, he's still doing this 20 or 30 years from now. And to persevere and to finish well is going to mean he fixes his eyes on the goal, the end goal. On that day when he will have the privilege to present to Jesus Christ part of his bride. And to say to the groom, Jesus Christ, on that day, here's, here's your bride. Having given of himself to prepare the bride for that day is hard work. It's hard work. But Paul said, all his energy, all his energy that works within me. Seeing the Lord's work in Pastor Mark's life, that he's willing to give himself for the glory of God and the benefit of us. Is all every reason to acknowledge him, to respect him, to esteem him. A second reason, Paul says in this verse that he's over you in the Lord. The word over you has the idea of leadership. Sometimes it means protecting or caring for, but a lot of times it means leadership. Pastors have the responsibility of caring for the flock, of feeding the flock, God's word, and of leading the flock in the ways of Christ. And there are particular responsibilities as a lead pastor to do that. As Pastor Ken said a few minutes ago, the, the buck stops here. Um, not that he doesn't share that with the other pastors, but in some sense, there's that leadership responsibility to make sure Christ's Covenant Church is being fed well and being led well over you in the Lord. And that we acknowledge that. It's not that the lead pastor owns the church. It wasn't Mark Goodwin's blood that bought the church. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. But as an under-shepherd, having, can I call it, derivative authority, authority that's been entrusted from Christ, when he says, care for my flock, care for my flock. As Pastor Mark carries that, that we respect him for that, esteem him highly for that, because he's over us, Paul said, in the Lord. 
And then the third reason we want to recognize Pastor Mark and esteem him is because he admonishes us. Now, that might give a little pushback there, but the word admonish has the idea of helping people understand things. It's a word that has to do with knowledge. And in particular, corrective knowledge. And so as we're going through life as a church family, there, there might be times where Pastor Mark needs to bring the Word of God to bear on us to say, you know what, folks, we need to go this way, or we need to be doing that. And he's challenging us, he's admonishing us from the Word of God. And that we hear that and we say, thank you. You are a gift from Christ to our church to show us Christ and to show us the way of Christ. And sometimes it might be very personal. In fact, this word could be used for counseling. That maybe you personally or you as a couple or you as a family are going to Pastor Mark for counseling. And he's going to be showing you from the Word of God the way of Christ. And that we respect him for that. We esteem him highly for that. So today, as we set aside Pastor Mark as our lead pastor, he has responsibilities even as Ken shared with us. But you know what? We're not just passive recipients, are we? We have responsibilities too. As members of this church, we have responsibilities to receive Pastor Mark, to receive him, to recognize him, to esteem him, to live at peace with one another so that his work among us would be a delight, to be a joy. What I'd like to do now is to invite Mark to come up as well as Ken to join me on the platform. And what we're going to do now is Ken's going to lead Mark through some vows of affirmation. And then after he does that, I'm going to lead us as a church through responsive vows that we as a church membership might have. So let's listen as Ken speaks to Mark. You are Mark, right? <clears throat> Making sure we got this. I was joking when you said you wanted to be cloned. I look <laughs> back at my brother and say, you just need an identical twin. And then you could be in two places at once. Well said. Mark, these are vows of affirmation that we are asking you to make and to commit to before these good folks. These nine questions are each informed by the scriptures. Will you commit to keep a close watch on yourself, fleeing youthful passions and pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, if so say I will. Will you commit to stay loyal to your wife and to care for your children? I will. Will you this day commit to not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock of what it means to pursue Christ and live for him day by day? I will. Will you commit to preach the word? Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove Rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. I will. Will you commit to devote yourself to prayer for the needs of this flock? I will. Will you commit to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you? I will. And will you commit to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ? until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I will. And will you commit to prepare for the future care of our church by training faithful men who will be able to teach others also? I will. And last, will you commit to keep watch over the souls of the people of this church as one who will give an account to the head of the church Jesus Christ. I will. Mark, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you if you are able to, to stand with me. And in particular, those of you who are members here, or you think of this as your church, your regular attendee, if you would join me in giving vows of affirmation in response to Mark's leadership from this day forward as well. Um, 
So when I ask the question, if you are willing to do that, if you would respond with, we will. Will we commit to respect Pastor Mark as one who labors among us and is over us in the Lord and admonishes us? We will. Will we commit to esteem him very highly in love because of his work? Will we be at peace among ourselves, making Mark's care for us a joy? Will we commit to obey our leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over our souls as those who will give an account? Will we commit to financially supporting Pastor Mark as we are able, as one worthy of double honor, especially as one who labors in preaching and teaching? And will we commit to praying for Pastor Mark that in the coming months and years, he will continue to faithfully declare the mystery of Christ? Thank you. You may be seated. Pastor Mark, because we believe the Holy Spirit has given you the needed gifts and character of life, and because we believe that Jesus Christ has given you as his gift to our church, we are excited to lay hands on you today and to commit you to this wonderful, joyful labor of leading our church. We have not acted in haste. For those of you who are guests today, Mark has been serving on our team for eight years. We've watched his life. We've seen his gifts in action. And as we realized that uh, we were asking him to commit to this task, we sought the input of you, the members of our church. And about half of you actually had conversations with us, the elders, giving us an overwhelming sense of encouragement and affirmation of what we sense the Spirit doing of giving us Pastor Mark. So it's with confidence in Christ it's with gratitude to the Holy Spirit that we're laying hands on you today. So I'm going to ask, Stephanie, why don't you join us? And also Pastor Tom and Pastor Rod. We're going to pray for Mark and Stephanie. And then afterwards, uh, Mark's going to say a few comments to us. Pastor Rod will then close our service. Heavenly Father, uh, we just, our hearts are overjoyed as we consider your faithfulness to us as a body here at Christ Covenant Church. You've been so kind, Lord, to uh, be among us, to sanctify us, to give us good gifts. Lord, what a privilege for us as a body to, to be able to acknowledge the gift of Pastor Mark and Stephanie to us. Thank you for um, putting it in their heart and in, in your providence, making them available to uh, move here from Ohio to to a town they've never uh, seen or visited before, to step out in faith uh, to uh, your call on their life and how we've grown to love them and uh, see your grace in their lives and to be blessed by the gifts that you've given them. So, Father, I pray for us as a congregation, as uh, Pastor Larry shared from your word, that we, Lord, would wholeheartedly and with joy receive them, uh, especially Pastor Mark as our lead, to know that uh, your spirit is in him and that through your leading as he cries out to you, as he uh, acknowledges and senses his dependence on you, that Lord, we look forward to where, as a church, you will take us for your glory, to be faithful, to uh, show the love of Christ among ourselves, to encourage one another, to disciple one another, but also to be used of you for your glory in this community, in this region, in the world. So, Father, help us uh, in receiving him, to respect him, to honor him, to partner with him. Lord, I pray that it would we would make his work a joy. I pray, Lord, that we would encourage him in keeping the peace and receiving his loving teaching and admonishing in a way, Lord, that um, the spirit is clearly among us. So, Father, we, we thank you and we look forward to what you have for the future of Christ Covenant Church for your glory. Thank you for your faithfulness to us and the gift 
Pastor Mark and Stephanie. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your amazing grace, your kindness towards us. We're thankful, Lord, that you brought us along the path as a local congregation, as a local expression of your body, that you brought us to this place. Lord, I do pray for this congregation for the days ahead that you will continue to strengthen us, to help us to walk in the light, help us to be good support for Mark and for Stephanie, that their labor would not be burdensome, but that they would be able to serve with joy. Lord, use us for your purposes. Help us to hold up the arms, as it were, of the lead man. Lord, cause us to be faithful. Help us to see the light and to walk in it. Lord, we recognize there are snares in this world. There's pressures from the outside. But I thank you, Lord, you've kept us safe to this day. And we trust, Lord, that you continue to keep us safe, to walk in the light, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Lord, continue with that. Continue to pour out your spirit on this congregation and use this man to bless and encourage and that we might be an encouragement to him also. In Jesus' name. Lord, I lift up Mark and Stephanie to you. I pray that you would fill Mark with your Holy Spirit, that he would be strong and courageous for the task at hand. I pray that his enthusiasm would remain vigorous and robust. And I pray that this church would bear fruit for your glory. Show yourself strong, we pray, in the life of this couple. I pray that Stephanie would be the apple of Mark's eye and Mark would be the apple of Stephanie's eye. I pray that this marriage would prosper and be an example to all for your glory. I pray that you would serve them and help them as they parent because parenting can be hard work. pray that Mark would have strength to lead and guide his family in addition to the responsibilities of all the folks here in this good church. Lord, show yourself strong in their lives, we pray. I pray for physical health to run this race. So I pray that each would pay close attention to their lives for your glory so that there would be 30 or so years of faithful ministry. Lord, thank you for your gift of Mark and Stephanie to us. I think back of that day a little over eight years ago when we first met him and how excited we were about the possibility of them moving here and and just benefiting from their lives and their teaching over these last eight years. And, And Lord, I thank you for giving Mark gifts, spiritual gifts of teaching and preaching, gifts of discernment and leadership. And I thank you for the Spirit's work in his life, molding him to reflect your son, Jesus Christ, with character traits of humility and grace and compassion. And I pray, Lord, that you would protect him from the evil one, that you might keep the evil one far from him, from them. And Lord, that as they move forward in this new venture, this new ministry, Lord, that you would give them that joy that we've been talking about, that they might see the privilege of serving you by serving your people. And Lord, that as the days come, that we as a church might have lots of opportunities to not only pray for Mark and Stephanie, but to thank you for them. Thank you for their impact in our lives verbally and through the example of how they live. And Lord, we pray for the children as well, for Caleb and Emma and Charlie. Lord, that you would keep them safe, Lord, from the evil one and that they would know you at an early age and that we would see another generation of good ones raised up proclaiming your name and living for you. So, Lord, bless them for this day forward. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, I will not preach sermon number three. I promise that. But I did want to say a couple quick things. Uh, I was thinking of today and uh, what I wanted to share. I wanted to share just a few words that would represent my heart and my thoughts uh, towards you as my church family. One is I want to say that I'm thankful uh, today. I'm immensely thankful for all of you as my church family. I know many of you are thankful for me. You've expressed that even in recent days, but I want you to know how thankful I am for you. Uh, Our family's been here eight years, and you guys have taught us a lot. I think we came here loving the Lord, uh, loving his church, uh, loving what we get to do, but we love it even more now, and we love him even more now, and a lot of that's been through you and what you've taught us and how you've modeled and shaped us, or how you've modeled living for us and shaped us. So I'm thankful for you. I feel uh, honored today and in recent days, too. I, I wanted you guys all to know that, and I appreciate so much even how you've been obeying these texts that we looked at today, whether you realize it or not, and expressing your appreciation for us, your encouragement to us. That has meant a lot to us and been further affirmation to us of, of being here as where God wants us to be uh, for the long haul. So I have felt honored and appreciate very much uh, all that you've shared with us in recent days. And the last word I was thinking was, I'm excited uh, about what God has in store for us as we look ahead to the future and the months and years ahead, uh, not because of gifts I have or that any one of us have, but because I know Christ is on his throne in heaven and that he builds his church and that this is one that he has been building for decades now and that he's con- going to continue to until uh, he comes back. And so I was, I was reading First Peter 5 a lot recently. It's a charge from Peter uh, to pastors, the shepherds, and he said that they should serve willingly. So I want you to know I'm willingly, uh, have been serving as a pastor here and I'm willingly stepping in this role. But he also said to do it eagerly, which I wanted you to know that is true of my heart as well, that I'm eager to do this and to step into this role and help uh, in leading uh, with our fellow pastors, leading us into the future of our church. But the last thing in that passage that's been on my mind and which is even going to be reflecting what we sing here to close is that Peter references, even as he's talking to the shepherds there in those local churches, he points their eyes to the day, he says, when the chief shepherd will return. And my hope is not just for decades of serving here, but I don't know if you've thought about this before, but someday in churches around the world, there will be pastors who are pastoring their churches when Jesus comes back. I would love that to be me. Like, I would love that to be, not because I want to get out of death. I'm confident there's resurrection in heaven uh, for us who are trusting in Christ. But someday there will be shepherds who are shepherding sheep when Jesus himself returns. And I hope that's us. I hope that God does massive things in our community and around the world in the years to come and that we get to be part of that. And But that we have hope regardless that we don't have, just have pastors or a lead pastor, but we have a chief shepherd uh, who's on the throne of heaven, uh, who's not just in an office somewhere, but who's died for us, been raised for us. So I'm excited to keep preaching that to you, teaching him to you, and modeling uh, care for you under his leadership.